Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi, welcome to the Party Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Tom Locke. Tom Locke is the founder of the British Snack Company. In this podcast, we talk about how Tom turned a hobby on the side of making pork scratchings into a full-time business where he now sells popcorn, crisps, pork scratchings to many pubs and supermarkets around the country and the world. Now sit back, relax and enjoy this episode. Hi Tom, how you doing? Yeah, good, thank you, Adam. How are you? Good, good, good. Yeah, yeah, great, thank you. Um, just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. It really means a lot. That's a pleasure. But um, but yeah, so you um, you're the founder of um, Chris Chris Company, British Snacks. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I have uh, I have a company called uh, the British Snack Company. Um, which, as the name suggests, uh, is yeah. a snack company, and uh, we've got we've got three brands. Um, we've got uh, Awfully Posh, which is a brand of uh, meat snacks, predominantly pork crackling and pork scratchings. Um, then we've got the British Chris Company, um, which, as the name suggests, is Chris, and the British Popcorn Company as well. So um, each each of the brands, you know, operates in a slightly different way, um, but you know, collectively, they all work together at the same time. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's awesome. And I think, like, I saw on your profile that you kind of started by selling pork scratchings out the back of your car. That's right, yeah. I started back in 2013. Um, and uh, I sort of spotted a gap in the market, really, for a, for a premium pork scratching. Um, so I started making them in my mum's kitchen and selling them wow. from the boot of my car to local pubs in, in Tunbridge and Tunbridge Wells, which is where I lived at the time. It's where I still live, in fact. Um, so I was working full time and uh, when, when, the, uh, when the dinner bell uh, went, I, 
uh, go home, pack up the car and start going around door knocking local pubs and trying to sell them for scratchings, basically. Wow. That's awesome. So, like, how old was you when you, when you was doing this? Well, I'm 30 now. Um, so, I was in my early 20s. Damn. So, like, have you always kind of had that kind of entrepreneurial kind of side? Was you doing anything else before that, like selling things or anything like that? Or you just kind of went straight into that? Yeah, well, the plan really. I mean, I um, I was supposed to become a lawyer. I started doing a law degree uh, at the London School of Economics, and I only I only managed about a term before dropping out, and and I just decided that I wanted to start a business, and I wanted to start start a business in the food world, um, and. I, I got a job while I was thinking about uh, taking that leap and um, I was just looking for ideas really. And uh, the idea came to me, you know, like all good ideas do in the pub while I was, you know, drinking a pint of beer and eating a bag of poor scratchings. And I thought, well, no one at the time, I mean, there's loads of them now, but at the time, no one, there weren't any premium pork scratchings. No one had done to the pork scratching what kettle chips or, or Tyrrells did to the crisp you know, premiumized it basically. Yeah. I want to done that. So I thought, you know, why not, why not do it myself? And so, you know, I took over my mum's kitchen, started, started frying up pork scratchings in there. And, you know, at the time, you know, I was just putting them in little bags with stickers on and, you know, tying up the tops and, and, and sending, sending them out to local pubs really. Um, and that, that's where it started. And it, initially it grew very, very organically from there. Uh, just, supplying you know i just had a little route that i would go on and every every day or every evening i'd try and add another couple of pubs on and it got to the point where eventually i had too many pubs to manage so um wow you know that's when that's when i you know decided to start taking it seriously and i quit my job and and uh, did it full time that's amazing so like just through like kind of word of mouth in your local area and just going out and branching out going to pubs and saying you know try, try this not yeah, I mean you know maybe word of mouth played a little bit, but it was door knocking basically. You know I, I you know I, it was quite, uh, you know I just I just walk into pubs and I, because I was doing it in the evening, it was the worst possible time. You know because pubs are busy in the evening, it's the worst yeah. possible time to be bothering bothering a landlord about you know some nutter trying to sell him poor scratching. So <laughs> um, the the way that I I did it initially was I gave the, I gave them to the pubs for free like on a sale or turn basis. So I said look his it's 50 bags. I'll come back next week. And if you've sold them, you can pay them, you can pay me for them. Uh, but if you haven't sold them, then, you know, don't worry about it. I'll take them away and, you know, I'll never darken your door again. So, um, you know, that seemed to work. Uh, we don't do it anymore, obviously, but you know, initially that seemed to work. Yeah, no, exactly. I think like with that, you know, you kind of have to be consistent, don't you? And you kind of like have to, you know, if you deal with, you know, loss and rejection, you just have to kind of keep on going because it's something that, you know, you, you believe in it. You have that passion for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of rejection. You know, a lot of people are just plain rude, uh, you know, um, but, you know, they're busy people, so you sort of understand, but a lot of people, you know, just, just tell you to get out. <laughs> so yeah. you have to be thick skinned. Yeah. Would you, would you say like this kind of like COVID situation, like you, you kind of um, had to adapt in any way, like because of like pubs being closed and things like that? Yeah, well, I mean, our business has diversified um, since then. Uh, we now supply uh, national supermarkets like Waitrose and Ocado, uh, Tesco, 
um, and we, we export all over the world as well. But, you know, still, you know, a big core of our business is, is what we call out of home, um, mm. which is, you know, pubs, not just pubs, but coffee shops, restaurants, you know, things like that out of home, you know, where you're eating outside your home. Um, and so, we, you know, COVID was very tough for us. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't lose 100% of our business because we, you know, we still supplied supermarkets. But in terms of how we pivoted or reacted to COVID, we actually decided to launch our own shop so that we could supply direct to consumer, which is working mm. well. And uh, we, um, we, we, you know, Amazon is a, is a good tool as well for getting direct to consumer. So, um, mm. you know, direct to consumer grow, you know, during lockdown grew from, you know, probably less than 1% of our business to, you know, 30%. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's, it's a big increase, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, pubs are starting to open up again now, coffee shops, you know, hospitality is starting to open up. But, um, you know, we hope that we can keep that, that direct consumer channel open because, you know, it's, it's a nice channel to have. You're dealing direct with a customer. You haven't got to go through a middleman. Um, and, um, you know, so if we, if, we can keep, if we can keep that direct consumer side of our business going and still get back all of the, all of the hospitality trade that we lost, then we'll be in a, we'll be in a good spot. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I, thought, I, thought, I think it's good that you kind of like adapted and kind of improvised, you know, in, in the situation. Because I think, you know, it's, it's been tough times, especially in the hospitality. Um, you know, where Very I'm based in, in, in Cornwall, most of the businesses down here are hospitality. Whereas, yeah, of course. You know, now is the time, kind, of, kind of time to make money. So they're trying to like, you know, make up for that lost uh, income. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, been a, it's been a really rough ride for hospitality and you know, even though things things are starting to open up, certainly, you know, our experience is that, you know, it's, it's not back to normal yet. And we're probably, you know, a while away from it being back to normal. You know, our, our trade through pubs is, is recovering, but, you know, slowly. Mm. Um, yeah. So we're taking things day by day and, you know, you know, we, you know, you've got to, you've got to be careful about, about how you go about things because we never know what's around the corner. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I really feel, you know, we, you know, there are certainly businesses out there that have been hit a lot harder than us, you know, businesses like pubs, you know, mm. who have had to shut completely. You know, fortunately, we still had channels for us that were, that were open and trading during lockdown. Um, so I really feel for businesses that have been, you know, had to completely, had to completely lock down and, you know, have seen sales gone from 100% to zero almost overnight. Mm. You know, that must be, that must be an almost impossible challenge to try and deal with. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think like, you know, if you can, you know, manage throughout this time and uh, push through it, it just kind of probably builds that resilience in some way because you think to yourself, well, you know, if we can get through this. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, it's, um, I think, you know, lessons will definitely be learned from, from businesses that survive lockdown. And, you know, for us, it's, 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 you know, it's really underlined the importance of, of having a diversified customer base, you know, and not, not being overly reliant on not just one or two customers, but, you know, not, not just being over reliant on one channel, you know, had, 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 had lockdown happened five years ago when, you know, before we'd started to supply retail uh, retailers, you know, we would have, you know, it would have been unlikely that we would have survived because, you know, back then almost a hundred percent of our business was pubs and, you know, overnight, mm. overnight, um, overnight, you just lose all that business. And it's not just the loss of trade, you know, it's, it's the, it's the other problems that, that that presents, for example, for us, you know, you know, if we're, if we're keeping, if we've got stock, you know, the snack, you know, snacks don't have, you know, there are products with shorter shelf lives, but they don't have, you know, 
they do have a limited yeah. shelf life. So, you know, you, you know, we, we were in a position where, you know, we were potentially overstocked and we had to, you know, have had things not recovered or had we not reacted in the way that we did, we would have been left with not only the loss of sales, but also having to throw away product that we would have otherwise sold, which would have been a double hit, you know, and obviously, you know, other, other hospitality businesses had that problem, you know, I know, I know people who run pubs and they were throwing beer down the drain, you know, it's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think like there's, there's many, I think there's many, many lessons to be learned from it, isn't there? And, um, you know, ways of kind of, you know, preparing for something and, you know, if it was to happen in the future, probably having that backup plan. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know, what, you know, we, we've got investors and, you know, one of the things they always ask and, you know, they always try and drill into me is, you know, are you planning for the worst case scenario? You know, what if this happens? What if this happens? You know, what's, what's your action plan? What's your crisis plan? And, you know, that, you know, the funny thing is, you know, even the most pessimistic person couldn't, you know, wouldn't really have seen something as bad as, as this pandemic coming. Um, yeah. So even even though you, you you know you have plans in place for you know for scenario A and scenario B and scenario C and what if this happens what if this happens you know it's it's you know how can you prepare for a pandemic really? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, it's definitely um, it's definitely an eye opener, and it's something that's definitely uh, set in stone in history. You know, it's like people will look back on it, you know, in years to come and be like, oh yeah, that that thing happened. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We'll be talking about this in, in decades. Yeah. But like, you know, like with your, with your, um, your uh, pork scratchings, like, did you experiment with ingredients? Like, how did you kind of find and pinpoint, like, taste? And did you do any research on it to get like that kind of, when it kind of clicked into place? Yeah, we did research. Obviously, there's a lot of trial and error as well. Um, you know, what works, what doesn't. But what, one of the key things for us is not about what we can add. It's about what we can take away. So with our with our pork with our pork snacks, we just use pork and sea salt, nothing else. Um, so you know, and and, and it's the same for uh, for our crisps and our popcorn, which are completely allergen and vegan, uh, allergen free and vegan. So you know, one of the things that we're you know when we do MP uh, MPD that we're constantly striving for is, is not not what can we add to make this taste better, is what can we take away and still make it taste great, because you know, mm. uh, you know, veganism is on the rise. You know, allergens are a big big issue and. You know, when it comes to our pork snacks, you know, why, why do you need anything other than pork and salt? So, you know, yes, there was a lot of experimentation, but it was also trying to make, trying to make the product as pure and natural as possible. And that's, that, that's what shapes our, our MPTP process. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think, like, the customer is important, isn't it? Like, you know, like in business, I think a lot of people get it wrong in business because they're so focused on making the profit and benefiting in that way. You, you know, you have to have that good relationship with the customer and probably do a lot of feedback probably as well, like market research and things like that, especially with, you know, food, see what people think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, everyone, everyone has different tastes and likes and dislikes, but, um, you know, some things work, some things don't, you know, we, we've introduced products that we, you know, that we thought would work. Um, and we thought were great, but then, you know, you release them and, and the customer, you know, some people will agree and some people don't. And, you know, some, some, uh, you know, there are, there are hundreds of really great products that have launched and, and not worked, you know, um, mm. and uh, you can do all the market research in the world, but, you know, sometimes, you know, the, look at these big companies like, you know, the big, the big multinational food and drink companies, you know, they, they spend, they spend millions of dollars on, or pounds on, on, on R and D and, you know, sometimes their products still fail. So, um, you know, yeah, you, you can do, 
you know, doing doing research and, and you know, customer paneling and getting customer feedback important. But you never really know whether a product's going to work until you until you launch it, until it gets out there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a good point. And I think, like, you just kind of have to go through the motions, don't you, I suppose? You just have to just do it. And I think, like, that's... Do you, do you, is there any, like, fears that you had when you was doing it? Like, is there any, like, things that kind of held you back? Things that you had to kind of, like, push through? Um country mm. they actually went to the paddy field they actually plucked that you know rice from growing in in, in you know mm. in the area they actually made sure that the food is available in the house with the hard work you know the education system that time in this part of the country was not as advanced as that it is right now so they have the experience from the field to the house they have the experience from raising their children who are the children's father now mm. so they are well experienced about how to raise a child how to get the child settled down and now the great you know the grandchild doesn't agree to a person who has all the experience in his bag mm. he can tell you how money was made then because now we try to make money in a very quick way mm. earlier it was hard work Earlier, it was more struggle. Earlier, it was less technology. We had to go to the bank to deposit the money. Mm. Right? Now, we click a button, the money is there. There's a difference. They have lived the hard way. We are living a very simple way. Mm. That's why they live so long. I mean, when I meet people, my grandfather lived close to 100 years. Wow. So, he used to tell me stories. He used to tell me stories that in that time, we had only bullock carts in this part of the country. Right. Okay. The roads were still being built. We didn't have the advanced system. I'm talking about long way back. I mean, before Indian independence. So my, grand, my grandfather was a young man that time. So we, he had to go by carts. Mm. Okay. That's pulled, pulled by animals. So he, to, to travel a distance of 50 miles, he used to take half a day. <sighs> Yeah. So he has all that experience, right? The hard way. I mean, today we click a button, start, and then we go broom. It wasn't that in that generation. So they are coming from that time, and we are coming from this time, and our children will be coming in the next generation. So there is a huge gap. How do we mend that gap? I think the mending that gap is listen to what they have to say. It does not need to be that you have to follow it. Rather, <laughs> You try improvise that suggestion and put into practice that it's a success. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, you know, my, my generation and other generations were, you know, were born in like, you know, I mean, I was kind of born into the early days of the internet, you know, when you had the dial up code and you could hear all those strange noises dialing up. And, um, Oh, you, you had that, you had that when you were growing up? Yeah, yeah. When I was when I when I was a little little kid, I must have been about six or seven years old. The we called it dial-up, dial-up dial internet connection. Dial yeah, dial-up. You had, it was connected by a telephone line, and it actually rings. And before it connects, it's like you're connected to a server. I felt like you're connected to a telephone. I mean, it was magic. That kind of internet was magic. Yeah, I I remember going on that. You know, when I was a little kid and. You know, like 
people in a previous generation, they, like you said, didn't have the internet and they faced quite big challenges, not so much now, you know, due, due to the internet. But um, they, they come from a different place and they see things in a different perspective. Um, you know, you think of the war as well, you know, some of the wars that happened, um, you know, mm-hmm. food shortages, um, you know, sending letters as well, you know, is a big thing, you know, and going to a payphone to talk to somebody. Um, you know, there's no FaceTime like there is now. So they, they come from a different place. They, they seem things change. And um, they, you know, they've had to adapt into this kind of like modern world, haven't they? Mm-hmm. So, how is it? Like, how is it? How do we get over this term called generation gap? How would you put your points? I, I would say by relating to people who, you know, who are from a different generation, and them them understanding our point of view from where we see things now and how things are and us kind of understanding and accepting, you know, probably how they see things, you know, um, but it has, has to be quite, you, you know, mutual. I know some people can get stuck in their ways and that they, you know, they, they see things from, you know, an old fashioned point of view, but do you know what I mean? In certain topics, people have certain opinions on certain things. Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, talking and communicating and listening to other people's uh, stories and how they how they used to live, you know, it's in, you learn a lot. Yeah, their kind of lifestyle teaches us a lot because they've had ground realities. We haven't seen so much in life, the amount they've seen. That's why they've lived long, longer. They had pure things. We don't have any pure things. Do we have everything is adulterated? I think whatever you get in the market. Mm. I, I believe I would say it's not a generation gap. It's a gap in ideology. Yeah. And and we don't want to come out of a con, you know comfort zone to understand the elderly, but it is very very wrong. Mm. Because elderly people will always tell you about the clothes you wear, right? They always have a problem with the clothes you wear because they always tell you, what are you wearing? But you can listen to them. It's not that you cannot listen to them, mm. but you can do what you want to. Yeah, that's it. And I think a big thing that comes down to it as well is that I remember years ago, you know, um, it, it, probably di- it probably differs from culture to culture, but like, it's, it's, it's like if you met somebody and you had kids before getting married in the Western side, it was very bad. Um, in, mm-hmm. in some people, you know, if you had a child and you wasn't married, it was seen as a bad thing so at some point. Yeah, single parents. Long back, single parents were actually not looked up in the right way. Mm. And I think everybody has a right. You know, you get, either get married or you don't want to get married. It's your wish. It's your will. Like in India, in India, you have to get married to have a child, actually. Is that? Uh, yeah, we don't have anything as single mothers and single fathers in India. Not- I mean, the rarest of rarest case, we have a few single mothers, a few single fathers, maybe. But I have not seen, it's not there. It's, it's not there in the society. Wow. 
So it's like you get married and then you have a child. It's the way we are raised, actually. Mm. It's the way the culture is in India. It's the way we think about relationship. We think about getting married with one woman and then you live a life with that woman and you know you have children, raise them up, and that goes into society. But generation gap is like, you know, it's, I think this difference in opinion creates a lot of questionless, you know, lots of questions actually, mm. and meaningless discussions, which has, you know, this, this, this creates problems which has no solution. You get into bigger arguments when there is a huge discussion, mm. just because of a small thing, just because of a small opinion that the elderly told us or told the grandkid, mm. don't do this. Now, if, if somebody says don't do this, that doesn't mean you don't have to do it. No. It has to be, you have to listen. If you listen to that person, it's sorted, right? If you listen to somebody, if somebody tells me, why are you growing your hair? Like the half of the people who meet me, they tell me that. Mm. So I do listen to them. You know, it doesn't mean I don't listen to them, though they are of any generation. But I reply them in a very abrupt manner. Yeah. It's very easy to say that don't cut, you know, don't grow your hair. But it's actually very hard to grow your hair. So if you grow your hair, I would cut my hair. That's my answer. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. You know, it's it kind of comes down to pass down opinions, doesn't it? From um, generation. So why do people have to put in opinions in you? They, nobody has the right to actually put in opinions in you, right? Mm. Any generation. Even I disagree with generation, you know, sometimes what elderly people have to say, there is a gap. But I do listen to them. It doesn't mean I don't listen to them. But I, there is a way to make them understand that it's, it's our life. We want to do something new. Fine, you have that experience, right? Fine, you have everything in your bag. Let me get things in my bag my way. I will listen to what you say. If you tell me that don't take this motorbike at the speed of more than 100, I would listen to you. But if you tell me you go on your motorbike only at the speed of 40 kilometers, kilometers per hour, mm. I would listen to you. It doesn't mean I go with that speed because you came with that speed. Yes. It's, um, it's like, you know, having your opinion, but like letting that other person have their opinion and just kind of, you know, putting yes. your point across. Yes, this will, this will end the, you know, the entire meaningless discussion. What happens, Adam? is that when there is a discussion between two different generations, it leads to an argument, mm. which has no solution. Because the, the younger one thinks he's right, the elderly thinks he, they are super right. Mm. Now, how do we solve this problem? Our listeners have to listen to this, because I have felt it myself. You must have felt it yourself. Oh, yeah. It is, it is just being quiet and listening to them and not reacting in the way that they do not want you to react in such a manner. Mm. So we just stay quiet, listen to it, improvise, and do our thing. Mm. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's definitely true. I, I also think it's interesting because you get, like, a bit like myself, like you get younger people who, you know, millennials um, are myself and other gener new, you know, younger generations who can be quite, you know, what's the term, like an old, old soul. So like younger people are 
you know, in their twenties, but they still kind of have like the values or like the mindset of somebody from years before, if that makes sense. Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so they're a bit more mature, a bit more ahead of their years, ahead of their time in the way they see things. Like I, I know some people who, you know, in their twenties and it's almost like they're, they're, they're from 1950s or 1960s. They're just like an old soul, but they're mm-hmm. kind of born in the, into the wrong era, if that makes sense. Do you know what I mean? So there's always that yeah. flip side. Yeah. Young people who are very old at heart. Absolutely. You're right on that. So this generation gap, Adam, I mean, like, we understand, we understand there is a gap in everybody's opinion. And due to this pandemic, there are more discussions these days in the houses, right? Mm. Because everybody's at home. Now the gap is bigger. You want to watch something on the telly. They do not want to watch anything on the telly. Now what? There's a difference in an opinion. Mm. You want to watch a music show. They want to watch the you know, the daily show or daily soap or, or, or a, you know, or a news channel. Mm. There, there is a gap there again. This is the most basic example. Yeah. Not, yeah. They want to do their, they want to do their things their way. You want to do your things your way. Mm. Unless you come to a common resolution, a common solution, it's not going to get sorted. You will still watch your show. They will still shout at you to change the channel. Now fix that up. Mm. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely interesting. It's not just one set area, is it? There are lots of other areas where, like you know, generation gaps come into place. Um, lots of areas. This is the most basic at home. Mm. This is the most basic. You can have any, any, anything, any difference in opinion on any ground. But you think back to like um, Western culture many years ago during like the 40s and 50s, it was like, you know, the wife stayed at home, the man went to work and, you know, the wife brought up the kids and did all the, you know, the necessary things and the man would go to work and all the rest of it. Whereas now, you know, the women are, you know, going and probably earning more money than some of the men. So, you know, things change and, you know, it's not the same as how things used to be. Like, life is very um, more diverse now, I find. Mm-hmm. So, Adam, what, what is it? What is the solution for this generation gap? What do you think? I, I would say just being open to, to listen to people's point of view and not, you know, it was respecting other people's point of view because, you know, like I might think that something looks one way, but you might think it looks another different way. And it's respecting mm-hmm. that person's point of view rather than saying, no, this is, this is how you should be and trying to push your opinion onto somebody else. It's like, well, no, that's, you're coming from a different place. That per, that person who comes from a different generation who's saying you need to do this job and you need to earn this amount of money um, or, you know, 
or you need to be with this kind of person. That's, that's, you know, that person's, uh, generation, um, you know, experience. Yes. So this is, this is like a never ending discussion, Adam, because you and I, we, we can have a difference in opinion, but we would talk it out. Hmm. When people have difference in opinion, difference in understanding in anything, in any belief or anything, anything you wear, anything you do. So it goes on. The discussion never ends. How do we put an end to that discussion? I think like being quiet. Hmm. What do you say? I think, I think in some way it's something that is going to just continue because as obviously different, as more people are born and there's different generations, there is going to be that clash amongst it all. Um, like in, in my, my generation now, like, you know, with what's happening now, you can, you can meet somebody on a dating website and you can meet them. Um, uh -huh. And I, I know that, you know, in the Western culture, um, in many other places, people, some people aren't looking for relationships and they just want to meet people, see them and then see somebody else. Whereas if you think like 30 years ago, it was not 40 years ago. It was like, you don't do that. You know, it's, um, you know, that's, that's a different gap, you know, different, um, values and things like that. But I, I think, you know, the generation gap is always going to kind of be there because there's so many different people who see things so different, but we need to listen to what other people have got to say. I think, like you said, you need Absolutely. to listen. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is an ongoing discussion, Adam, because I wanted to highlight this topic with you. Like, you know, we, we decided to talk about this. Mm. This generation gap is an ongoing process and it exists in every house. There is sometime or the other, this discussion does happen due to gap in generation. The message that I want to put up today is like, just be humble, quiet, listen to what they have to say mm -hmm. and let that discussion not go to next level. That's the point. Yeah. The discussion, there could be a gap in generation in any house, in grandchildren, grandparents, mother, father, whatever, like you said, single parent. Now later on, if the mother gets married or the father gets married, have another child, there's a generation gap again. So it will carry on and it might come in everybody's life. Mm. Generation gap discussion can happen in anybody's life, life who's alive. How do we tackle that? I would say just by being quiet, listening to the person. If you are the, if you are the elderly, do not pressurize the young generation. Mm. And if you are the young generation, do not try to dominate the elderly because they have lived a better life than you, what you're living right now. And they have that experience. That's the reason they are talking. Mm. Otherwise, they would be quiet. Mm. Yeah. So this is what I have to say. That's it. Mm. Yeah. I, um, I've just found an article on psychology today about generation gap. And it says here... Um, an amusing aspect of this recurrent type of generational conflict is that it's always only a matter of time before the young become the old and cultural and technolog technological changes put them on the other side of the generation gap. 
So it kind of flips around. But it says here, it's typical for each generation to create and embrace new music, dance, fashion, haircuts, technologies, lexicons, and gender expressions that distinguish them from their prior generations. Mm-hmm. So you see that, you know, in music and film and fashion, haircuts, technology, it's all, um, you know, a gap, isn't it? Because it's always changing. Always changing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's always changing. And there would always be a, dis- there will always be a discussion on that. Mm. No, it's, it's been good talking about it. It's really um, interesting. Yeah, and I think people should understand why we are talking. It's a very complicated topic. Mm. We don't have much to talk about it because it's a very precise topic. Mm. But the message is very clear mm. that generation gap exists. You know, it exists everywhere, every house, every family. Mm-hmm. But yeah. to, to, to shorten that gap, we have to make sure that we don't have a difference in opinion. Mm. And we ensure that, because communication is what we always talk about. So when you communicate and try to make that person understand, and you yourself understand that this is right and this is wrong, mm. things are sorted. If you do not understand anybody's opinion or advice, it's a gone case and then it gets into a bigger discussion and then there is an argument and could be worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. We have to uh, respect people's opinions and where they come from. Yes, yes. Maybe they are a child or, or a father or a mother or a grandfather or a grandmother. Everybody has a right to put their opinion and everybody has a right to listen to others' opinion. Mm. Nobody is talking to force somebody to listen to them. Yeah. Rather... Try and understand what the person is saying. Sort it out. Get to an amicable resolution of what the discussion could be into a different version if there is a change in an opinion. Mm. So let's understand each other. Let's make the family stronger. Let's not the age gap widen the difference and widen the you know gap. Mm. Yeah, no, I totally so that's agree. That's all I want. I want. I want. Yeah, that's all I want to say today, Adam. Mm. And. I hope our listeners can connect to it. I hope our listeners can understand what we are trying to say because respecting anybody's opinion would get respect for your opinion. Mm. So if you want respect for your opinion, you have to take you know, opinions from others too. So the respect has also a balance. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely agree. And I think uh, it's completely right what you said. So it was again a great, great evening again today on our podcast, uh, Adam. I know it's uh, afternoon time for you here. It's dinner time, mm-hmm. and uh, it's good we connected, reconnected like always mm-hmm. because we are not giving up no matter how much the time zone and how much the time difference is. Mm-hmm. No matter how much there is a problem in connecting and getting onto a podcast because you have other things to, I have other things to do. Mm-hmm. But but we do make sure that we are punctual and we come up with ideas, we come up with topics which can, which can relate to people mm. and uh, that's how we can have more listeners and I hope everybody is safe in their homes and they're trying to take good care of themselves because tomorrow is about to begin. Mm. Yeah, no, exactly, that's exactly it. And uh, I always look forward to our podcasts and um, I think, you know, we provide a lot of value in what we talk about. It's always great to talk to you. Same here, Adam. Same here. Have a very good evening ahead. Take care of yourself and uh, cheers then.
No, you too. You too, Safraz. Have a nice evening and all the best. You too. You too. Take care. Take Thank care. You. You're Bye. 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 Bye.